0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. This is the first Sunday of Lent, and so we are on that road to preparing for Easter. If we want to have a joyous Easter, if we want to celebrate the resurrection with the fullness of our hearts, then we have to uh, recognize the sacrifice of Good Friday and experience its sorrow. And for us to experience its sorrow and our need for a Savior, we have to spend some time, these 40 days, to examine our hearts and minds, to reflect upon our enticement to sin and the temptations that we face. And so when we think about sin and temptation, there's no better place for us to turn than to Genesis, to begin at the beginning there uh, with Adam and Eve in the garden at the beginning of creation. Here in Genesis 2, we read about Adam and Eve being placed in the garden as is God's plan. His eternal plan to dwell with us in paradise. That plan has never changed. And as he places them in paradise, he gives them uh, free will. He gives them the choice to either submit in obedience to him or to disobediently grasp things no matter how good they may seem. So when we hear about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we think... Knowledge of the good of evil is a good thing, right? We're supposed to want knowledge and we're supposed to be able to discern and know the difference. And of course, it is a good thing. The question is do we get it from God through obedience or do we grasp it for ourselves in disobedience? That makes all the difference. This is the sin of astrology. It's the sin of uh, science separated from uh, reason and from uh, an understanding of a creator when we try to gain knowledge, when we try to gain wisdom without submitting ourselves in obedience to God. And so when they take that uh, tree, when they take that fruit uh, in disobedience, uh, they break their relationship with the Father and they open the door to the consequences of of that separation of themselves from life himself. And this is what Jesus comes to repair. This is what he repairs in uh, the gospel and what he repairs for us completely and fully in his sacrifice. And we see that repair taking place in Jesus's temptation. He goes back and he, uh, he recreates, he re-enacts uh, everything that the nation of Israel, that the patriarchs did, and he does it perfectly. He does it right. And so he leads them into the wilderness and he feeds them. He leads them into, uh, into the place of uh, temptation and he resists it totally and completely. While Adam faces temptation in the garden where everything is provided for him, where he has all the good things that he could ever want or need, and he's in this perfect idyllic circumstance, Jesus is uh, fasting for 40 days, and he's in the wilderness. And yet in that fasting and in that wilderness, he resists temptation that is given to him by Satan. Satan tempts Jesus in three basic ways. The three basic ways that we are all tempted. And so we need to look and understand the three basic ways that we're tempted. The first one is lust. Now often we think of lust, lust as being uh, sexual intimacy. Uh, but it's not just that. It's any time that we seek to comfort our own bodies in a way uh, that is again grabbing uh, from, uh, from someone else. A way that is taking. And so uh, Jesus uh, faces this. Um, this temptation of lust where Satan offers him this bread and that he could make bread from the stones. Uh, Jesus says, man shall uh, not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. And this is our reminder as we enter the fasting of the 40 days of Lent as to what we're doing in this season of fasting. I was at uh, lunch the other day with Thomas. We went to this beautiful restaurant and uh, after lunch there's this uh, Case of pastries about a mile long, right? And there are these gorgeous pastries, cakes and pies. And when I looked at that, I thought, why can't I have that? Why, why can't I have a bit of that? That's a good thing, right? Why shouldn't I be able to have some of that good thing? And I had to stop and think for a minute, why, why do we fast? Right? What, what is the point of this? Is it just to be sad and denying ourselves good things? And then I remembered, oh, it's because I'm supposed to be depending upon the Lord. Where is the Lord? Is he with me? Is he here to comfort me? Is he here to to supply my needs? And and I realized in asking that question that he was. I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit just in calling upon the name of the Lord and even asking the question. And so that's what we're doing in our fasting season. We're not uh, making ourselves sad or uh, withholding good things from ourselves, but we're stopping and we're recognizing from where is my help to come? My help is in the name of the Lord. The second way that uh, that he is tempted then is with fame, and we all have that desire for fame. We all have that desire to be recognized. We all have that desire to be uh, to be known, and we are we are known by the one who always sees, by the one who always sees us and recognizes us. And that's our Father in heaven. He sees everything that we do. He knows everything about us, and he finds us good. He's the only one that we need acknowledgement from, the only one that we need uh, to be noticed by. He is the one who will attend to us, and we need to look no further uh, than to him. And the the Lord says, uh, you shall not put the Lord to the test, right? Rather, in the Lord's prayer, we say, "How would be thy name, thy kingdom come. We turn over all of that control to the Father and we say, as you will, as your kingdom uh, comes, right? We will receive those good things that you have for us. And so with meekness and with humility, we wait upon the Lord to give us these good things. And then the third way that he's tempted is with power, right? Uh, Satan says, um, I will give you the kingdoms of the world. I will give you power that you can take. And again, this is that grabbing, that taking of power, which is, again, the basis of, uh, of the occult, the basis of witchcraft, what people are looking for, and that kind of practice. They're looking for control of other people. They're looking to put others under their thumb, right? And that's always the promise of of the occult and witchcraft and that kind of sin, right? Is to say, you can get people to do what you want them to do. You can cast a spell on them and get control over them. You can exert power over them. And this is a temptation for all of us, right? To try to get people to do what we want them to do and to kind of control them and to grab what it is that we want. And in all of this sin of disobedience, it's always this grasping, this taking, which is at the heart of uh, what we need to be teaching our children uh, the children of our parish, the children of our school and of our community is uh, essentially to receive from God an obedience rather than grasping uh, and taking what they want. That's the heart of everything that we do. That's the, the most important thing we learn in kindergarten, right? It's the most important thing we learn in school is to keep our hands to ourselves, right? To not go and take things that don't belong to us. And this is what's the heart of all of the commandments, right? Uh, To give honor to God, right? To not take it for ourselves. Uh, To give honor to our parents, to not take it for ourselves. To give honor to our neighbor, to not take their things and what belongs to them. And that basic law of, of receiving and obedience rather than grasping is really at the heart of all sin that we see. We see 50-year-old CEOs and presidents of corporations and of uh, companies and countries, right? People who have great power and authority who get into the the worst kind of trouble because they can't keep their hands to themselves, right? Because they're taking things that don't belong to them and they're touching people they shouldn't touch, right? And these are not 50-year-olds that start to do that. These are 5-year-olds that never stopped because we never taught the heart of the law. We never taught the heart of obedience and waiting upon the Lord, And so Jesus turns to Satan and he says uh, to him, Worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. See, when we worship the Lord, it requires humility. It requires that we become servants. It requires that we look to see the needs of others. And when we do that, when we're serving others, when we're considering them, we're not grasping and taking from them, we're more likely to give. And this is at the heart of the transition that we see and the free gift of grace that St. Paul talks about in his letter to the Romans. In chapter 5, he talks about this transition, this change of heart that takes place. And he says over and over again, the free gift of grace, the free gift of grace. And sometimes people have gotten confused in thinking that because the gift is free, then there's nothing required of us. Au contraire, right? There's much required of us in that free gift. Right? We're not saved by works, we're saved for works. Right, We're saved by grace in order to do good works, in order to perform acts of righteousness, according to the justification that we might have our lives uh, aligned according to the will of God. And all of that power, that change of heart, is a gift that God gives us. St. Paul says some pretty shocking things in that passage in chapter 5. He talks about uh, that there is no law uh, uh, without sin, right? And there's no sin without the law. We might look at that and say, how can that be? I'll give you an example. There was a time in our country when we drove motor cars without licenses or laws of the road, right? People had motor cars and they didn't need driver's licenses and there wasn't all these laws of the road. People lived according to the natural law, the natural law of giving the other person way, right? And of showing some basic restraint and, and politeness. And then as, as sin abounded, right? As accidents abounded, the law came in. And we started to pass laws. And we started to pass more and more laws to govern the rules of the road. And you may have noticed that the more laws we have for the rule of the road, the more sin abounds. So that when my 15-year-old is studying for his uh, license, his test, and I read through the manual, I find that I broke about a half a dozen laws on my way here this morning, right? Just like when I took my driver's test, I didn't signal when I was going to parallel park. And I still forget that, right? There are laws that that we uh, totally forget about. And that when we start to look at them, we realize, oh, I've broken so many. And so in response to that, the Lord is not going to pass more and more laws because He actually has wisdom, right? He changes our heart. What makes us a good driver? Because we know the rules of the road? No. It's when we have a true fear of danger, when we have a true desire to get home and to our destination, and when we seek to keep ourselves and the people around us safe. Good drivers, out of respect and love for one another, keep the neighbor safe. They keep themselves safe. And they know where home is. And the law does not tell us that. And so the Lord would bring His Holy Spirit to change our hearts through His free gift of grace so that we would desire to live lives of righteousness so that we would get home and safety, desiring the safety of and the homesteading of our neighbors that they too would come into paradise again. And that is the free gift that we are offered if only we would receive it. The other option is like Adam and Eve to hide our sins and to pretend like we didn't do anything wrong. And that's those other people that do bad things. And then we have the fig leaf around our privates which itches and causes a rash and makes our problem worse than when we began. But if we would confess our sins, God is faithful and would forgive them and would change our hearts to put a desire for His will in our minds. Let our prayer this week be according to Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, And renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me.